and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined in real life today by my colleague, Mr. Luke Curtinian. What's up, Ted? I love the dramatic pauses that you just gave me. I feel, I feel like this needs to happen more often. I was going to be meaner in the introduction, but since you're sitting right here, it's hard. Definitely harder than it when we're be, jabbing across a computer yeah, screen. Yeah, it would be uh, extremely awkward because <laughs> I'm looking you in the eye. How's it going? I, I feel like I haven't, I haven't been in the office for a while. I haven't seen you. Yeah, I know. No, life is good. Um, yeah, always Golf tr- stuff is happening. Golf stuff is happening. U.S. Open uh, this week. Heading out there on Wednesday. Going to be there through the week. Leaving on Monday. So so, Does yeah. golf have an off? Because I feel I was going to say, oh, it's it's busy season for both of us because it's baseball mm-hmm. season for me, and it's guy it's the summer, which to me seems like it's golf season. But golf doesn't; they play all over the world. Yeah, and so it used to be like a mirror image of baseball season, basically. Like they used to, um, the final major of the year used to be in sort of August, and then sometimes they'd be like the Ryder Cup in September, and then they would basically go into hibernation. But it's because there's money and there's TV money at stake, and there's you know. There's more and more tournaments that can increase intensity. All, all the all the regular reasons why sports leagues expand the num- number of games that season. They've since sort of tacked on a bunch of extra tournaments towards the end of the year. The big guns don't really play them um, unless like somebody in China is offering them a massive appearance. So is are, is there not a lot of golf in the southern hemisphere? Like, is there no? It feels like there's so many places that would be ripe for golf. Right? Yeah. So so basically, the way I think about it is that golf essentially follows like the 78 degree weather. Okay. You know, so there's like a California swing in like kind of January, and then there's like a Florida swing in like March. Um, and then Augusta National in April, and then it kind of works its way up northeast. So this time of year, what, I'm about to go to Wisconsin, so it's kind of in that 78 to 85 degree weather. That, that's generally but how. But what about like like there's no golf in like Argentina? Not well. There, there are tours there, but the PGA Tour, for example, doesn't go. To okay. Yeah. And no Australia? Uh, they they do Australia, but they do in like December. Okay. So again, yeah. well, although that might well, be, that's the summer, that there. The summer yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, those are more off-season events. The the or the US the US tour basically just follows around like the peak weather. That's the idea. All right. This has been a fascinating conversation <laughs> about golf weather. Uh, but we gotta get into we gotta get into five questions, five big questions for the week, and I want to start with you. So so give me a question that will serve as fodder for some yelling about sports on the internet. Okay, so first up, US Open themed, obviously. Um, The question is, would you skip the birth of your child slash your kid's high school graduation to play in the US Open? Now, US Open, for example, is interchangeable. We can talk about, we can talk about other things, not just the US Open, but this, of course, is a reference to two different things. First of all, Phil Mickelson, who is skipping the US Open because his daughter's graduating from high school. She's given the keynote address. He says it's going to be a very special day for my family. So he's skipping She's the US Open. She's a valedictorian. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, big deal. Dustin Johnson's wife, uh, future wife, fiance, um, uh, Paulina Gretzky, scheduled a C-section for Tuesday so he wouldn't have to skip the US Open. So my question is, would you, you know, would you skip the US Open for the birth of your child? I guess the high school graduation. I guess the first question is, is my wife listening? <laughs> um, but so I would say if I'm in Phil Mickelson, if I'm in Phil Mickelson's shoes, and I've played however many 15 U.S. Opens, but he's played at least 15 U.S. Opens before, yeah, right? Like yeah. there's not, yeah, I think you absolutely miss it, like, right? Like you gotta, yeah. there's. Yeah, he's been a pro since 1994, so he's played. This is 23, right? So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that if it's if it's a routine thing, if it was like, hey, like, 
This is, and, and I would say birth of a child is like slightly different than the graduation, right? So graduation you could see on video, and if, it depends on the kid, it depends on the, uh, how proud I am of the kid, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, like I, I can't say because I've never had a kid graduate high school, but I would guess that if it were like, a you have a once in a lifetime sports opportunity here and it's your kid's high school graduation, like if you were playing in the NBA Finals, because this is graduation time, and like, say you're a basketball player and you're super old. Yeah, like, we, I, you'd have to we, be you'd have to be like Richard Jefferson, right? Who might feasibly have a 17 year old kid graduating high school. You're playing in the NBA Finals. You maybe got your shot at a ring here. That's a tough one. And I feel like if you've got a 17 year old kid, they're old enough to reason, and you can be like, look, like ah, I kind of got to do this. Yeah. You know, like I'm sorry, like I'm really sad. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna videotape it. We're gonna, you know, like, I got, you know, but. But I kind of, you know, there's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Me, if it's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing, probably not. Yeah, to me, like, there's no feasible explanation about why why somebody would skip something like the U.S. Open to attend their daughter's high school graduation. To me, that's just not <laughs> a big enough occasion. But a I, son's high school I, I, graduation, yes. Uh, oh, oh, yes, uh, of yeah. course. No, no. Chauvinist. I'm kidding, of course. Like, I just don't, I really think that... I, I can get why it would be important, but I don't quite understand the fuss around needing to be there at every kid's soccer game, needing to go to the high school grade. I don't know. To me, birth of a child is is yeah. different. Birth there, of a child is different. different line, especially if it's your firstborn, which it is in Dustin Johnson's case. But it, it's a, the, the I mean, but then but then if the it's not only, your first if it's not your firstborn and you're like ah I yeah, skipped the second one I'm like this. that kid is gonna grow up knowing and like there's gonna be evidence like yeah. now now we live in 2017 every single thing is getting tracked online people are gonna be like hey why didn't Dustin Johnson skip his <laughs> skip his why did he skip his kid's birth that kid's gonna go to middle school and like Google himself and be like oh dad skipped my birth <laughs> you know like I, I don't know I don't mess around yeah with I, I I I would not skip. The US, I would not skip the US Open. Um, oh, sorry, I would skip the US Open in order to be with my wife if she was giving birth to a child. If I was to skip it, it would have to it would have to be with my wife's like explicit approval, like that she's absolutely okay with it and encouraging me. Even, even then, even then, then it's, it's just, kind of messed up. You know, like if you've played it before, if you've played it before, like again, like it it, it comes down to like items of degree here, right? But like I would say. Because attending the birth of your child is also a once-in-a-lifetime thing, right? So, unless, I don't know, unless it's like, this is, look, like, our family is going to be hooked up forever. If I just do this one thing and I have to do it, I don't want to be yeah, there. Yeah, but when you're Dustin Maybe Johnson, like, it doesn't... You're, you're rich anyway, rich right? Anymore. Like, you're married yeah, that, to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. But the you're high school fine. graduation, I don't know. Like, I really... I, I, to me, that's not a big I mean, that's, for me, that's, for me, that's kind of a no-brainer because I hate events like that like I don't, I'm not into ceremonies in any way and so not to mention these are generally really boring ceremonies oh extremely boring it's you know, the kids making a speech you're probably really proud like I don't know what that experience is like I would say it's different like to me the um, so my dad worked at home growing up and the effect of that was that my entire life I don't think my dad my dad's not like a sports dad in any way um, he's like a, an artist guy he does not even really that into sports but he did not miss a single game I ever played in my like my entire childhood and that was pretty important to me like that was that was a What's really it? nice yeah. feeling that my dad was always there like if I'm having a bad game and he wasn't the guy like he wasn't a guy to judge or fight or yell or anything like that he just stood there quietly and watched every single game yeah. and I I really very much valued that part but if my dad was if, if he was like hey I gotta skip your graduation 
I don't think I would have been that. Like, it, it would have been sadder to me to like have a football game and look to the crowd and not see my dad than it would have been to have my dad be like, "Hey, I gotta miss your graduation." Yeah, I guess that's just an American thing, because like in England, just not a bunch of parents show up <laughs> for their yeah, kids. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Games. I think it's just a slight cultural thing. So I've never quite understood the fuss about it. You know, some people are like, "Yeah, my dad coached little league," and I, I don't know. I, I don't see me coaching little league when I'm when I'm grown up. Um, yeah. Yeah, see, I wouldn't, I'm not, like, a, and again, I would probably follow my dad's lead. Like, my dad was never, the, like, he he would be, like, when I was on little kids' soccer teams, he was, like, the assistant coach, which at that point is just, like, supervisor, make sure the kid doesn't run into the woods chasing a squirrel, right? Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, like, actually, he's not a, he doesn't have the sort of, like, aggression, I think you associate with, with coaches of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of little league sports and stuff, and I had a, a, a couple of those, like, we had a... We had a couple of kids whose little league dads were like real brutal, you yeah. know, and that's just not my that's just not my dad at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it was really nice. Like it was nice that, and it's just cool to talk about. Like you could be like, "Hey, dad, like, what about that crazy fight we got into in this JV lacrosse game?" <laughs> and he could like joke about it with me because he saw it too. Yeah. So I don't know. That was something I I definitely not only appreciate now, but like I even and it's hard when you're a teenager. Like you don't appreciate anything your parents do for you, right? Like you're because you're a brat and you all you want to do is leave your parents' house. But like even at 15, I appreciated that my dad was at every game. All right, fair enough. Fair um, all right, so 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 I would say no for the birth, yes for the graduation. I yes. think that's that's yep, where that, we're that's at. I think the consensus. All right, um, I got a question. Is okay, so there's so Jeopardy was in the news in our news this week because they kind of burned Kevin Durant with a pretty funny question uh, about how he didn't beat the Warriors but instead joined them. Um, and but it just makes me think of Jeopardy in general. Is Jeopardy a sport? Jeopardy a sport? I think so. I Any, think so too. I, I think anything, I think basically anything competitive, and especially if it's competitive in a quantifiable sense, I, I think you can make a case that that's essentially a sport. I would say that Jeopardy is, I mean, Jeopardy also, um, I mean, it's it's not like you're breaking a sweat, right? Although I imagine the lights are kind of hot. Um, I've, been to, I've been to a shooting. Have you Jeopardy. really? Yes. Have you really? Tell us. So my girlfriend was... Elizabeth is just diehard Jeopardy fan. Oh, nice. Went to LA for the first time last year. First thing on the list was like, we need to go to a Jeopardy screen. Uh-huh, I'm jealous. The way they do it is back to back. So you, yeah. you go there for an hour. You watch two episodes get filmed. It was during the teachers' contest or whatever was the year. It was was when I was there. And can I just say that Trebek is just a machine. Like oh, that guy yeah. knows the drill. And like these episodes, what are probably 23 minutes including ads or something? Yeah, 22. It probably took them about 26 minutes to do this whole thing. He did one reread over the course of two episodes. That thing is just buttoned down. Must be the easiest show to edit on He, on I think that, so So this is, you've, brought, you've touched on a lot of things that are important to me. Um, <laughs> I very much would like to be on Jeopardy in my life. Uh, I was in the contestant pool one time and I didn't get called. Like oh. you're in the, you. I made it to the callback round. Like we went, uh, you know, there was a there was an in-person interview, and I don't know if I well, bombed that the or te- they just did the test again. Yeah, and I didn't take it this year, so like it's it's something I always grapple with because I feel like 
there are holes in my knowledge that I need to fill before I can go on Jeopardy. I don't know the Bible well enough. Uh, Hamill and I have talked about this a bunch. I don't know the succession of the British throne well enough. You probably do. Um, but like Plantagenets and Tudors yeah. and all that stuff. Um, I don't know rivers of the world and world capitals it's, it's, well enough. It's, yeah, it seems like that not there is no formula for getting on Jeopardy. And I'm, convi- no, there's no and I'm convinced they tailor some of the categories for the people on the show, so I think. Oh, that, like, I don't know about that. No, not, know about not that. in a malicious way, but so for example, like well, like the I teachers if, tournament, they will. So like, I think if you were on the show, like I would not be surprised to see a sports category. I don't think that's true. Okay. I don't. Okay. I think it's. I think it's I random. I, I just, think it's I random. Just keep an eye on. It. Um, that's, that's well, all I'll say. I mean, that's the thing, but, and that's the thing with Jeopardy. So like, because I always try to, I always try to figure out how I would stack up in every episode, and. I don't feel like I would win every episode, but there are some, and it's when the categories are right, where it's like, I would have definitely won this episode. You know, like there's, yeah. a, and, and so that makes me feel like I should try to go on. And, and uh, one of my friends who's also very invested in this, a guy I play trivia with, it, is like, well, his, his, cha- his take is like, you should just always try, take every test, do everything you can to get on, because, you know, once you get in the contestant pool, you start studying. But I was in the contestant pool and I didn't do a lot of studying. No. And so the, the debate for me is like, do I want to, wait and learn more before I try to get on, or do I want to try to get on at all times, and especially try to get on when Trebek is still the host? He's a pretty old dude. I and he's, he's going, though. I feel like that show is going to collapse without him because he is so good. Because he's... I don't think he's a bad dude at all. Like, I'm sure he's actually a super nice guy, and from everything I've heard from people who've been contestants, he's, like, really nice off stage. But he just has that little bit of jerk to yes, him when he yeah. is the host you know like hint of condescension right, like, right, like <laughs> oh no sometimes like sometimes someone will get a right, way wrong and he'll be like oh no like you know yeah, and yeah, or yeah. Um, the way he pronounces things in like in every different language yeah, suddenly he becomes uh, very French yeah Canadian, right yeah. exactly and so I just want to I want to do it if Trebek is on you know and so that's that's a, a dilemma for me but I what the case I was going to make before about the sport aspect of it uh, is I do think it's sports um, just because it's a competition and I think that Ken Jennings winning 74 straight Jeopardy episodes is probably I, I would say even underrated in the pantheon of great sport accomplishments because I mean no team in professional sports has won 74 it's, straight it's, games it's, since like the 1880 Cincinnati Reds. bring this up because I think you're exactly right, Stress. 74? I, I think there's probably a list of things that just we generally don't talk enough about. Bermuda Triangle, and for like, example. What the hell's going on with the Bermuda Triangle? Things are just disappearing in there? Uh, like, come it's, on, like, uh, it's we, wins. It's like wins. Oh, yeah. Patterns. How do we not know the answer to this question? Yeah. And so Ken Jennings would certainly fall into that category. Uh, I think so. Like, it's not that, sh- I mean, the, the endurance involved, because you got to think, like, like you said, they film five five in a day, right? Or or back to back. Like, how are you not... T- I'm taxed by the end of, like, by the end of a podcast, no. I feel kind of ta- taxed, right? Because how are you not exhausted just from the in- adrenaline of being on Jeopardy and the nerves? And I guess it probably gets easier as you keep rolling, but the fact that he wants 74... Like, imagine if a basketball team won 74 games in a row, how extraordinary that would be. And it's not like the other people on Jeopardy are not good competition. Oh, yeah. It's hard to pass that test. And there are two contestants that you're fighting. You're, you're beating two people 74 straight times. And if you remember, I don't know if you watched, were you watching during that run? Yeah. So he won, like, it felt like he won most of them in runaways. Like, it was just, he was 20000 points, uh, $20,000 in front of everybody heading into Final Jeopardy. It was very rare during, or at least it felt that way, 
during that 74 game run, it was very rare that they went into Final Jeopardy with the other persons, the other people, even having a shot at beating him. Um, like he was completely dominant. I know that there's another guy who has beat him a couple times in tournament, Brad Rudder, and he has actually never lost to a human opponent. And so, like, maybe that guy has a case, but to me, it's Jennings. Uh, I also thought he was such a. I loved how, like, subtly, and again, if you didn't watch, but, like, he is this, like, sort of clean-cut, very polite Mormon guy, but he had, like, a little bit of a wise-ass streak to him, and his, uh, you know, one, I mean, Trebek, if you think about the banter they do, right, like, and I always, that's, like, something I stress out about, too, is, like, what would be my banter? And from what I understand, Trebek kind of picks your banter, like, they read five facts about you. We get 73 episodes deep. What are you talking about? You're getting pretty deep. And his rapport with Trebek just sort of became like a slightly antagonistic, <laughs> like like he was like a little bit of a wise ass, and I loved it. I just that guy is one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite things that's ever happened. And I mean, he it was him that inspired uh, Watson. You know, do yep. you, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, like yeah. It, was, it was that they were all watching Ken Jennings, and they're like, let's let's see if we can make a, a computer that can beat this guy. Yep. Um, which is awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah, very awesome. Very awesome. Um, give me another question. All right. Um, hold on. Let me. Uh, will you refresh me on my question? Oh no, never mind. I have it right here. Is Kevin Durant lame for joining the Golden State Warriors and then winning his first NBA championship? This is obviously a blatant ripoff of the question that you and Charles, our colleague, argued earlier today. Um, and I think we agree on this. I think it is kind of lame. Like, and so, and I think the reason why I think it's kind of lame is because I'm not sure that I would care if it was a situation like soccer where the best players routinely join the best teams. It's complete, and it's not, not, not only is it, um, is it, is it not discouraged, it's embraced by many. It's, this player is ambitious, he wants to win things. But the difference is, is if you join Manchester United, for example, there's also Real Madrid, Barcelona, there's, there's a small, um, crop of super teams in soccer. So joining one of them doesn't necessarily have that's this just game the thing you did. Effect. It's almost like graduating to the major league. Exactly, it doesn't yeah. have this game changing effect. Whereas this, the deck is pretty stacked here. I think. I think that it is. Like, I, and again, like this is something that came up in a Facebook live this morning with with Charles Curtis. I don't blame Kevin Durant and our colleague Adi wrote a good take and said like. In 50 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, no one's going to care how Kevin Durant won his ring. Right now, I do kind of care. I wish I didn't, but I do kind of think it's lame. I think lame is the right word because you went to the team that won seven. You're the you're the second best player in the game, and you joined. And again, like on a personal level, I don't blame him for wanting to win a ring. As a fan, I think it's a little yeah. bit lame. I think it's like you 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 want to you want to see players have. And again, I know that this isn't the case, and I don't. I'm not saying guys should be always be loyal to their first team or anything like that. But you want to see players win. Like I don't know. I, I just it's a hard thing to explain. I just I, I'm with you. It's I think slightly it's irrational, of, right? But we're allowed to totally be irrational. Totally irrational. To, like he made, so is so is watching sports. He made, so. he made the smart decision. Like I would do the same thing. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna go have the chance to make history, play one of the best teams of all time. Yeah, I totally get it. But you were allowed to be irrational sports fans sometimes. And an irrational sports fan, I kind of want to see him go to 
don't know, maybe like the Celtics or stay with say, Oklahoma City yeah, and stay do with it. Oklahoma yeah. City or like go to Miami and then put together a new team. So then you can have these two giants slugging it out. That from a neutral's I mean, perspective would be a really a- appealing thing. And then him conquering that would be really cool. I mean, think about it in terms of LeBron James, who like sort of went through this same thing a little bit beforehand, right? And when, when the only thing that LeBron James did in his career that people have really torn him apart for was joining the super team in Miami, right? Leaving his hometown and joining, going back and joining the super da- team in Miami. Yeah. And I don't think anything has been better for his reputation and his legacy than being like, you know what? Like, we did it in Miami. I won my rings. I'm going back to my hometown. I'm going back to the team that drafted me, and I'm going to do it there. And then doing it there. And that, I think, makes me like him so much more that he is this figure in Cleveland. And, like, obviously it's not going to be the same for Durant, right? And and it wouldn't be the same if he goes back to Oklahoma City because LeBron is, like, so closely associated with Akron and with Cleveland. But I don't know. I just don't – I don't – I don't – I don't love it. I would rather – I would like Durant better and – Again, I don't blame the guy, and I don't dislike the guy, and he had an incredible performance in in Game Five, uh, which we're speaking on on Tuesday. The Game Five was last night, but I mean, he's a great basketball player. I just think it's a little bit lame. It's it's also like let's be clear. There's also an appeal in like building something, even when LeBron went to the Heat. Like I know Wade had won his NBA championship a few years prior, but like there was very much a feeling that like he was going there and he was. He was going to team up with Wade. But remember, Wade was also... People were talking about Wade going to the Knicks at the time. Wade mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily sure he was going to stay at the Heat. Like, so LeBron going to Miami, there was very much the sense of like he was going to build this team. He was going he, he to win his championships, but he, he was also building something. Kevin Durant kind of came into a finished article. He can't. Right? He joined a team that won seventy three exactly. games a year before. And, and won an NBA championship the year before that. Like, so there's very much a vibe of him being a appearing like a bit of a mercenary here. Like he's not building anything. He's coming in. He's the final. He's the crown jewel in this project. So I and and, and I do think there's an appeal. The reason why people love sports and follow sports teams because there's a journey to all of this. And mm-hmm. I think LeBron going to Cleveland. Build, you know, it was a very quick rise, but building this team and then finally winning his NBA championship, there was a progression to that. This is him coming straight in. You know, he, he's a he's a perfect yep. weapon that they needed, but it, 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 it was very much it has a kind of. I mean, it, it changed my perspective on the Warriors for sure. Like, I I love great teams and greatness in general, and I tend to root for the best to prove that they're the best. But I think that. I mean, I, I certainly found myself in in this in this playoffs in the in the and especially in the finals, rooting for Cleveland. I wanted LeBron to win. I didn't want like even last night when when the game was still close, it was like uh, it was killing me every time. The, even Clay Thompson wide open for three. You know, like why did you cover that guy? You know, and I know that that's you can't do that because they got Steph Curry and then you leave him open and you leave Durant open. That was the problem. But I think Durant to me joining that team that made them the bad guys. That made them the target. And and I would prefer it. I liked it better when it was and when it felt like kind of this core of dudes that were the Warriors and they were the team that won seventy three and nine. Uh, yeah, like you said, mercenary is the word, and and he, he took less money to do it, so yeah. it's not really being yeah. a mercenary; it's being like a ring hound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Support for the For the Win podcast for, comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that a home that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. 
Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. That's rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. Luke, I got to come up with a second question for you. And uh, I, I don't really know how to phrase this one. And I don't want to scoop too much because it's something I'm hoping to write about. Uh, but something I've been doing lately, I, I sort of... Uh, I don't know. I fell out of shape. I, 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 you know, I'm usually, I'd say, fairly good about exercising. And over the winter, I had my elbow got hurt. I tried to take it easy, and taking it easy just turned into skipping the gym altogether and and not doing any of the the things I should have been doing. I sort of fell uh, at least feeling terribly out of shape. And so the last few weeks, I have started. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to write about this much later, so I don't want to scoop myself too much. But I've been going to Groupon and finding on Groupon that there are tons of personal trainers. So many. So yeah. many personal trainers available. And I, I kind of fi- feel like that's sort of a funny scene. And so I, I've been trying to mix it up and go to a bunch of different personal trainers, which is not something I normally, usually if I work out, it's, it's on my own. I feel like I have a pretty confident idea of like what I should be doing when I work out, how to work out. I've, again, like a, from growing up playing football was something that was always just something I did. Um, so I don't, you know, in my head, I don't need the advice, but uh, I have been going. So I, I guess my question is, uh, why am I doing this to myself? Why, why, why do I care? I'm a married man. My wife loves me so much. She doesn't care what I look like. I kind of feel better if I work out, but I don't know why I'm torturing myself. No, I know. I, I completely agree on the exercises torture point. I mean, my, every time I get into a squabble with somebody about this, I always say, look, if there was no upside to working out and you could just inflict that feeling of like, pumping iron or running or working out or whatever onto somebody, you would be like sitting in a chair like screaming. It would be a form of torture essentially, if especially if it's severe enough. That said, I actually went to, um, I, I was in Boston at the time of the most recent marathon and I was actually kind of inspired by all these runners. Uh, I feel the opposite and, way because the marathon goes right past our houses. It, uh, yeah. it does go right past our apartment. And, and, um, and, yeah, and so I got back, I talked to Nina, big runner, our boss, and I was like, Nina, you know, I think it was kind of cool getting into running. And she's just been so, she's been such good motivation. She's been like, Have you been running? Up. Have you been so running? I've been running all the time now and genuinely enjoying it. I just feel like it gets kind of the blood pumping a little bit. That, see, that part I like, and I do feel better throughout the day, like this morning, uh, you you probably noticed because I came in soaked in sweat. I worked out before, and I, I showered. I worked out before work, and I showered, but the shower doesn't take because it's 92 <laughs> degrees outside, and so I still come in, and it was a cold shower, but I can't stop my body from sweating. I just, we talk about it all the time on the show. I just sweat a disgusting amount. And so I came in soaked in sweat because I went to the gym this morning, and when I do that, I do feel like no matter what happens in my day from there on, 
I've accomplished something, yep. you know, yep. and it's like, ah, I can't be so bad. And the main thing for me is like, I sort of work out so I can eat more, you know. Like it's like no, it's like just like keeping a, a balance, right? It's like, well, if I if I went to the gym, I can have like I can have a bagel yeah, if someone brought in bagels. Out. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it balances it out. But I also think too that like, and this is something I did not. I, I started running just to get in a little better shape. But I also noticed like when you're when you're running. I feel like it kind of, it doesn't, it sounds, this is about to sound stupid, but it doesn't just like feel like the blood's pumping. I feel like it's also quite good emotionally, right? Like, so let's say you're pent oh, up. Um, I believe that's, that's, that's scientifically shown. Like, I think that uh, regular exercise has like a extremely uh, similar effect to Prozac, no, but without the, without the downside. Yeah, like if you've got like some stress pent up or a lot of things on your mind, you just go running, you sort of feel like the energy like come up and then just kind of deflate out of you. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of nice, just like a nice little... Um, avenue for this stuff to to th to throw this stuff down. And I'll say that, um, and and so you know, going to the different personal trainers is sort of a fun experience because you get to see different perspectives. One of the guys I went to, who was great, uh, like I I feel like his strategy, which for someone less uh, confident than me might have been a little bit a little bit more trying like his basically his thing was like it was like a a fitness assessment which is essentially like looking at you and judging what's wrong with your body and then like telling you what you need to work on but like one thing he pointed out which is accurate he was like i bet you have extremely tight hamstrings all the time and and that's true i have uh i i have like very big legs uh they are both fat and muscly you know so i had i was a i had a high school weightlifting record i'm still proud of that and, and like because i have extremely strong lower body but the flip side to that is that my hamstrings cramp up all the time and so like if i'm doing anything with my legs if i do squats in the morning or something then i get these crazy hamstring cramps in the afternoon and so he taught me a bunch of new hamstring stretches and i feel incredible i've been doing it for two weeks and now it's like i drop my wallet and i bend over to pick it up and it just doesn't hurt Damn. the way you it used pick to. up that wallet yes <laughs> it's great it feels great it's it's it is um it, I do find it funny though, as an ex-football player that you are, that like you hate working out somewhere because you so, surely must have been put through the rigors. No, so actually... so that's the thing is I, I don't hate I don't hate the working out. What I hate doing is the things I'm bad at, and oh, so okay. I get into the habit if when I'm going to the gym is like okay, like I'm you know I'm pretty good on the bench press and I'm pretty good with curls and I'm pretty good with like different things like that and I do all the things I'm good at and it's like but I'm not good at like. And I'm not good at cardio, and so I just like so leave those aside. Yeah, yeah. And then you, and that's you how a lineman is born, right? Exactly, exactly. That's why I play the line. It was like you know, I'm, I'm I'm great at pushing things. You know, I could push things around all day long, but like when you need me to run, it's not going to happen. So, I think that's actually part of the advantage of going to different people is just and it's and it has been kind of fun and enlightening because they'll be like hey like do this thing they're like oh wow you're really good at that and then they're like do this thing it's just it's super simple and they're like oh my god that's horrible yeah. what the hell is wrong with you and it's like well I've never done steep, that definitely a steep learning curve because I worked out a lot in high school and college golf wise which again like they don't care if you're carrying extra fat fat is just mass and like more mm -hmm. mass is good and it's similar to baseball in that respect I think where if you're trying to be a power hitter well if you're a pitcher if you're a pitcher like, I think that nowadays uh, anyone playing in the field isn't trying to carry extra mass but. yes but um but in terms of like trying to hit the ball far for example mm -hmm. you basically want leverage and leverage comes from pushing mass into the ball right. and mass is mass when it comes to you know you want more muscle obviously right. but you can do it multiple ways point is is that 
cardio just isn't a focus. There's a lot of sort of explosive training, but it's not really like go on a run, shed weight. And so trying to get into that mode now definitely is a bit of a steep run. Uh, I find running, that's the worst for me. I just, it, I, I don't know, if, like, I, I don't know if it's just something about my body, but like I, every step of running, I hate. So talk to Nina. Much. She'll she'll get she'll get you going. Uh, no, you I'm not willing. No, I don't want to run. I just don't want to run. Like I'll, I'll and I don't even mind doing like long cardio things. Like I'm gonna bike and ride my bike for two hours, and it's no big deal. But running for 20 minutes would be the worst. Just torture. The worst thing in the world. Uh, give me your fifth question. Fifth question. I am first thing tomorrow morning flying out to Wisconsin for the U.S. Open. As oh, I said, amazing. About an hour. Oh, not about. It's about. Oh, the place I was last time I was in Wisconsin, I stayed at the golf course about an hour outside of Milwaukee. So spent some time in Milwaukee. Really liked it. Really liked huh. it. So my question is: Is it the most underrated sports city? The most could be expendable here. The so most. So let's just say, like, is it an underrated sports city? Because I would say yes. Between Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, just a really nice place to go. And I know this is ignorant, but I'm also spent a bunch of time in England obviously come over here I'm not super familiar with like America's cities spent a lot of time down Milwaukee's south. not one you've you've heard Milwaukee of a lot in England and probably and Pittsburgh on the list of places to go especially in America not super high up no. let's just be real but having found myself in both of them genuinely enjoyed myself what places I mean I'm, I'm actually curious about that like, and, and I want to talk about Milwaukee as a sports city but uh, what like if you and, and you I mean your mom's American right yes. so, so you had some context probably beyond most young Englishmen, but what cities do you know about? Just like, is it just New York, Chicago, so, so LA? Like, or? I would say if coming over here, I would say, you know, or if you just poll like a bunch of English people who don't really, you know, very tangential like knowledge of America, they would say New York, obviously, first right. on the list. Um, they would say uh, Los Angeles, probably second. After, I, I assume think, DC because uh, it's DC the, yeah. probably. I think after those three, there'd be a bit of a golf, Chicago, Seattle, um, Dallas actually would probably be up there, huh. pretty high. Miami, I bet, would be high. Um, yeah, so I, I bet those would be the big names. I think uh, in the next wave would be like the Honolulu's of the world. I okay. don't think Austin really places. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't think Austin would really be on their radar. Um, and then the final wave is would be like the Pittsburgh, Milwaukee's the and Pittsburgh's, yeah. Detroit's, all get lumped into like cold, I don't really know what those cities are about. Places. Right, and that's, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm trying to think of the flip side, it's like, I know about, like, I know, obviously, everyone knows London, right? And, yeah. like, I know Manchester, because I know they have a, a soccer team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know Liverpool, because that's where the Beatles are from. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, uh, Leeds yeah, is like, a place, Leeds is you like, know? Leeds is, like, a really nice place. Like, Leeds is probably, like, similar to like Boston which incidentally didn't even pop to my mind in, in <laughs> which is in telling in itself but Leeds is like a really beautiful city but again like when you're going to England you're like where should I go in England you're not going to say like go to Leeds you're right, say go right. to London you know yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and like and and if someone was coming to the US I would no you offense to Milwaukee to I would never say go to Milwaukee like it's just not the first one but it is I mean uh, Wisconsin is beautiful it's a beautiful state like uh, when you get out of the city um, and I'll say this for Milwaukee so I've only been there one time, and so I don't have, like, a, a deep knowledge of it. Um, I don't... I, I always have found it weird that the Brewers, during an era when every team was moving their stadiums downtown, 
and in a city where it seemed like there might be viable options, and I, and I don't know Milwaukee infrastructure well enough to say if that's true or not, but it seems like Milwaukee is a small enough place and, and wasn't like a... Um, I mean, they built a downtown stadium in San Francisco, right? And so, to me, it's like, well, Milwaukee should clearly have a downtown stadium, but they moved their stadium like 10 miles out of the city and, and a, surrounded by parking lots, and so that was always a knock on them to me. But the flip side, I will say, I think Brewers fans, for a perennially not-so-great team, uh, or at least a recently not-so-great team, and they're having a nice year this season, I don't think there's a fan base that goes harder for their team than the Brewers. I think it's, I earlier this season named it the most suffering baseball fans, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and they, they get really good attendance. Uh, Brewers fans are fiercely loyal. They do good TV ratings in Milwaukee. Um, so I think that makes a good sports city. And while... Food, I think, is an important thing. Food. I've um, always been impressed with the food. And uh, very sausage-heavy culture very sausage there, which is cheese great for... Heavy, but you know what? I, I, think it's a great, I think it's a great drop-in and visit food yes, culture. I don't exactly know that it's right. like... Because I know that uh, from like beat writers and broadcasters, they're always like, oh, Milwaukee's going to be rough. Because they, they go to Milwaukee and you can only have unhealthy food. Yeah. But if you're just going for a few days, yeah, geez, it's yeah. not so bad. I will say, too, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I've been to... A, I feel like I've been to a lot of places relatively specific speaking around America, nowhere more have the people of Wisconsin and the people of Milwaukee been as fascinated with English accents as, as, as in that funny. area. I have no idea why. It must be something to then the must, it must just I be, imagine it, it's that not a lot of English people make it up exactly there. It must be exactly different, you know, because it's quite a unique accent. But yeah, I've been to Well, they have in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. They talk like that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's maybe like the mirror opposite. So when you're pronouncing all your ahs, right. and the and English like, oh. people are like, oh, it's <laughs> right. very stark. Yeah. But yeah, nowhere. I mean, it's, I've been, I spent college down south and like they were, I thought like, wow, no one's going to love English accents more than in south. But man, like in Wisconsin, they just really not used to it. Oh, that's interesting. And, and I mean, it's a, like, at least in my experience, extremely friendly people come from Wisconsin. Like, it's a really, you know, there's, and this is something, like, I, I like to check out in, like, different cities is, like, how people react if you're the only other person walking down the street. Uh, you know, like, in New York City, if you see someone else walking down the street, you make no, you don't, you make, you pretend that person does not exist, right? There is just, like, no effort whatsoever at acknowledging that person. If anything, it's, like, try your best not to acknowledge that That extends person. to, like, cashiers almost sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, just, I mean, it's just, there's so many people here that if you're saying hello to everyone, you're, it's, it's all you're going to do in a day. Yep. You know, and I don't think it's that people are bad or unfriendly. They're not very busy. friendly. It's not, busy. It's, everybody's busy. Everybody's in a rush. Um, like, even in L.A., when you pass someone on the street, they kind of nod because it's like, whoa, you're walking too? Like, that's weird. We're yeah. both out of our cars. In the South, you have, it's like, polite. it's kind of not polite to say anything other than like, hi there. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, you go to like Kansas City and they're like, how you doing? Good <laughs> to see you. Like, and they like, really want to know how your day is going. You know, like, it's like, okay, like, I'm doing well. How about you? And they're like, oh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. It's like, oh my God, like, we're friends now. <laughs> um, yeah, and, Mil and Milwaukee seems to me like one of the places where like people are just, people are just nice to you. And like, that's a, I don't know uh, you know like I know that like I know very hardened New Yorkers who kind of hate that who are like I don't want to have to smile at everybody on the street 
But if you're there for a couple days, it's kind of nice. Yeah, and you know what? Architecture's really brilliant there. There's that river that sort of snakes through the city. Mm-hmm. There's some good food. Yeah, big ups on Millwall. I'm trying to think of another underrated sports city. I guess... Was Pittsburgh... See, like, Pittsburgh was so... Like, I thought Pittsburgh... Pittsburgh I mean, I, I think... thought Pittsburgh was, like, Manchester, which was, like, a dump. So, like, essentially, oh, I thought okay. Pittsburgh was Detroit. So and Pittsburgh then I go is to an... Pittsburgh, and I'm like, wow, this is really Oh, nice. Pittsburgh is clearly an underrated city. Yeah, yeah. Very much an underrated city. I, I don't think as a sports city it's underrated, because I think everyone knows... Like, I know in baseball, like, uh, the, the Pirates Park has the reputation as the best. Uh, everyone knows the Penguins and the Steelers are always good. So, like, I think Pittsburgh yeah. has a rightful reputation as a very good sports um, and city. And I'm not talking about, like, to visit is a big part. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh is a... Is a I guess it gets cold. Super though, fun. So. But it's a super fun place to yeah, visit. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've been there a bunch of times. I'm trying to think of... Uh, Kansas City is actually an underrated really? sports city. It's great food. Uh, again, really nice people. It's, it's not a very... Uh, there are walkable areas, but it is mostly a driving city. But in my experience, it's extremely easy to get around. Uh, you were talking about Minneapolis. Not, not uh, so, so I've only been to Minneapolis in the heat of summer. I've been there twice and only in the middle of July, which is, as far as I understand, the time you want to be in Minneapolis. But a really <laughs> cool, like, a, again, a really fun place to visit. Uh, Minneapolis, like, there are not a lot of places where it's like, I could live here. And, like, I, when I was in Minneapolis in July, you're like, oh, I could totally live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of others. I'm just going to uh, throw some at you then. And just all right, say, yeah. Get, just, get, get your flash tape. Give me them. Seattle. Seattle's nice. I mean, again, uh, been there once, uh, right in the middle of the summer when it was super nice. We were staying in the in the suburbs, and uh, it was my friend's sister's house. And there were bald eagles on the tree in her backyard and a view of this gorgeous mountain. It was, like, very extremely beautiful. Nice city to walk around. I like Seattle okay, but I don't think that that... I think a lot of people like Seattle okay, so I don't know that that's, like, an underrated uh, place. Portland. Portland's gorgeous. I don't. I don't know about it as a sports city. Yeah, uh, the trailblazers and the what the uh, MLS team. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, not and, and they go hard out for their MLS hard, team there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and I would love like I I'm rooting so heavily for Portland to someday get a major league baseball team because I'd love to go there. I think um, honestly I might even move to Portland if they if they had a baseball <laughs> team. That's like the main thing holding me back. Um, yeah, it's great. Toronto. Toronto is great. I yeah. like Toronto a lot. Uh, Good, good scene for the baseball games, like because it's downtown, mm. uh, very walkable, uh, cool street art in Toronto, and great food, like lots of tons of cultures, tons of different food cultures and oh. stuff. Cincinnati. Okay, yeah. um, so Cincinnati, in terms, I think that the nice areas, like at least the like the the nice places to live, are mostly suburban in Cincinnati. But there's like one little neighborhood over the Rhine, which is like the new hip gentrifying neighborhood and in that tiny little pocket it's super nice but it's like six blocks long you know it's yeah. a, at least like the part where there's like restaurants and stores and stuff but uh you can get great food like if you like uh cincinnati style chili which is a thing don't eat at skyline that's not the good place we've discussed this on the podcast before most recently with uh with c trent rosecrans of the cincinnati inquirer uh, and also, it's so close to Kentucky, there's some really good fried chicken in Cincinnati. Okay, one more. Uh, Memphis. I know it's not a bunch of teams there, but I've never uh, been. Memphis is... So, uh, I think that Memphis, like, and I don't want to quote this without knowing it, but, like, I don't know that Memphis is necessarily the safest city, from what I understand. I have had 
a ton of fun in Memphis. Uh, they have Memphis has this one Beale Street, which is like the walk around street yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. one of the seven places in the U.S. you're allowed to drink outside. Uh, that's take it or leave it. It's just like Times Square or any other place. You know, it's got like sort of a blues hook. Um, but when I, I most recently went to Memphis, uh, I went to a like a legit juke house, which is like a you know like a sort of like a blues funk music club. Uh, that was awesome. Did something just knock on the window on the 20th floor right here? I think it might have been a bird. Did a bird just... I think we might have just witnessed the death of a bird. <laughs> um, and uh, Memphis, great food. And one thing I would recommend in Memphis, if you have an entire Sunday morning to commit, do you know Al Green, the musician, like, uh, uh, Love and Happiness and Take Me to the River? And oh, yeah, yeah, a, okay. Um, like a classic old soul singer. So he found Jesus at some point and became a pastor and you can go to Al Green's church and it's pretty far out like it's a really interesting cultural experience I don't want to knock the the religious aspect of it uh it's not like Catholicism which is what I grew up in in that like it was at least three hours long and Al Green was personally shaming everyone who got up to leave so we had to like wait until Al Green turned his back to run out but the music is incredible incredible and and uh, just a, a kind of an interesting scene. I'd never seen people. You're from the south, maybe you've seen it before. I'd never seen people get the spirit before. Do you know, like when people yes, like. Yes, I'm never in person, but yes. Um, so that was something. I, that was something I witnessed for the first time at Albrecht's church. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, this has been a great tour around America. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can keep throwing how cities. Many, at how many? Me. How many states have this been? Um, I've been to 47 states. I think it's either 46 or 47. I've been to Oklahoma, Nebraska, Alaska, or Hawaii. People, so 46. Puerto Rico. 50, I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to Puerto Rico, but I was like nine. Oh, okay. So it counts. It counts. It can't. Oh yeah, it even counts as being there. I can't speak to it as like a sporting place. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to any games there. I mean, it's it's enjoying a baseball revival. I know that, <laughs> but uh, I, I can't speak to it as a as like I can't compare it to places I've been to in adulthood because like I don't know what it's like. I know what it's like in 1992. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Cool. Uh, all right, that's all the time we got. It's, uh, you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, etc. Luke, you can check out on the internet at Luke Curdenine on Twitter. He is on For the Win writing stuff about golf. He will be in Wisconsin from the U.S. Open. You should definitely check out that coverage. It should be good. Even if, like me, you don't care that much about golf, he will make golf interesting for you, I promise, <laughs> at ftw.usalay.com. I also write stuff there. Check that out as well. Luke, thank you for joining. Thank you, Ted. Peace out.